The Middle East is becoming a real problem. Kyle Rittenhouse enters the final stages of his trial as the evidentiary portion ends. Black Lives Matter will never stop destroying New York City, and they make it very clear. And the Wall Street Journal hits it right on the head. This is Gene, and you're listening to Dumbasses Talking Politics. Hey, hey, happy Friday. This is Gene. Welcome back. Okay, um, some good news. I actually went for a four-mile walk this morning. My knee seems to be better. I don't know if I mentioned this, but I probably didn't because I didn't want to. Uh, I took uh, last week a day off uh, last week off because I hurt my knee. I don't know how I did it. I thought maybe I'm just getting old. Probably still am just getting old, but I really twisted it or hyperextended it. I have no idea how. I couldn't sleep. I was just absolutely miserable. And then about a week later, I thought I, I may have torn something. I have to go get this thing checked. Josie was pushing me to get it checked, and I never did. And then it just suddenly went away. And all the swelling is gone. I'm doing just, it's weakened still, but it's still kind of hurts. But uh, I was able to go for my walk. I'm going to give it another week of rest. And then I'm going to start my running again. Uh, because that's something I've missed. I, I, I just need to get out a little bit. And, and for me, you know, I eat a hamburger and I gain seven pounds. So it's very important for me to kind of stay in shape. Uh, another thing, uh, I did just, I am going to be releasing another video on Rumble, this one's going to take a look at... Remember I told you that pedophilia is going to be normalized eventually? Well, now they've got a new term for it. They actually do have a term for pedophilia. So, you're going to have to come in. I, I, I can't remember the term. I haven't recorded the video yet. It, it's really... It's insane. And I think that this guy, I, I have his name, Alan Walker find him he should be fired immediately for what he said but i told you they were going to eventually try and normalize pedophilia and they're really working on you kids they are working on those kids so i'm going to have a couple of tiktok videos that i really want people to take a look at and know what's actually happening in the world remember give a mouse a cookie principle it's there Okay, so let's get to it. I've got a, a rather uh, opinion piece I want to get through at the end. So if I seem like I'm going pretty quickly over these stories, uh, I am. But this first story here um, is really important because we're, we're so busy with Kyle Rittenhouse and racism and crap like that. We, we really are missing this stuff that's happening around the world. Joe Biden is losing control of the Middle East. Afghanistan is a disaster. Pakistan has already told us to kick rocks and they refuse to let us use their air bases so that we can somehow control the terrorism in Afghanistan. China has made a deal with Afghanistan and soon will be occupying a couple of the bases that we actually abandoned. Iran is about to have a nuclear bomb if they don't have one already because the theory is that they actually already have one. But there's something else that just happened. An Iranian-based group in Yemen has stormed the United States Embassy in the capital. They've taken hostages, uh, they've taken intelligence, and they've taken equipment. Now, most of the Americans have been released, 
But who hasn't been released are the Yemen, Ye, Yemenis who actually were helping the Americans. So you can expect that those people are going to be executed. So this is from the Free Beacon. Quote, a group of Houthi rebels reportedly stormed the U.S. compound on Wednesday seeking, quote, large quantities of equipment and materials, end quote, according to regional reports translated by the Middle East Media Research Institute. The raid comes five days after the Houthis kidnapped Yemeni nationals who worked for the embassy. Quote, of the alleged raid comes after the Houthis kidnapped three Yemeni nationals affiliated with the U.S. Embassy from one of the, from one of the employees' private res- residences in, Sanas, in Sanaa on November 5th, end quote, according to memory. At least 22 other Yemenis were kidnapped by the Houthis in recent weeks, quote, most of whom worked on the security staff guarding the embassy grounds, end quote, according to memory, uh, memory Middle Eastern Research Institute. Uh, so here we go. We've got hostages in Afghanistan and Yemen right now. Hell, this is turning out to be worse than the Jimmy Carter days. And Joe Biden, a fantastic guy, uh, actually put the Houth- took the Houthis off the terror list. Because why? Yeah, you guessed it. Trump put the Houthis on the terror list in, in Yemen. So Biden removed them. And so what's the first thing they do? Commit terrorism against one of our embassies. The administration said, we call on the Houthis to immediately vacate it, that's the uh, embassy, and return all seized property. The U.S. government will continue its diplomatic efforts to secure the release of our staff and the vacating of our compound, including through our international partners. In other words... We're not going to do anything. We're just going to write letters, I guess, and, and say things and maybe give them money. Maybe that, that'll do it. God, he is so weak. And this isn't, this isn't being reported anywhere. You turn to CNN. They're not talking about this. Hello, our U.S. Embassy has been raided. People are being kidnapped. You can pretty much assume those people are dead. So what did they say? Uh, 22 people, 25 people, Yemeni, Yemen, uh, Yemen, yeah, Yemenis have been kidnapped, and they're probably all dead. Probably their families are all dead. But we're so worried about the right pronouns and racism, we're not even seeing what's what's happening in across the world. It's just just disgusting. And I'll keep bringing this stuff up. I'll keep bringing up Afghanistan. I'll keep bringing up Yemen. One of the things I've forgotten a lot about recently is Cuba. I probably shouldn't forget Cuba because it's gotten awful quiet, awful quiet over there, hasn't it? I wonder why it's gotten awful quiet over there. Could it be because the Cuban government has actually killed, killed and jailed all of the dissidents over there? So now they're not making as much noise? Interesting, huh? So the Kyle Rittenhouse trial has ended the evidentiary portion of the trial. So what's left? Well, if you follow the trial, if this was a normal trial, you'd have closing arguments, then you'd have juror instructions, and you have uh, deliberations. Uh, but first, the judge has some decisions to make, and I think these are, are very important decisions. Um, does he intend to drop more char- charges? There's a very good possibility that 
the guy who survived the Rittenhouse, Rittenhouse shooting, the guy who got shot in the arm, um, there is a charge of attempted murder on that guy. That could be dropped. And that could be dropped simply because uh, the guy admitted he pointed a gun. So the judge has already dropped the curfew violation. So I wouldn't be surprised if if this goes to jury, and we'll get to that in a second, if this trial goes to a jury, he might drop the attempted murder. Um, the other question is, is he going to do a directed verdict? The prosecution has not only not proven their case, but their witnesses have proven the defense case. So looking at this, one of the questions the judge will be asked, I guarantee he will be asked this today or Monday, it's going to be, listen, uh, there's no evidence of this. Uh, we'd like a directed verdict. We don't want to go to a jury. Because the jury is not... First off, the prosecution attorney has really buried himself with the judge. The, the prosecution attorney was terrible. It was just a god. I saw, I saw about three days of this trial. He was absolutely terrible. I wouldn't be shocked. Most most judges don't want to do this, especially when the jury has been there from beginning to end. Uh, he could throw out the case after the jury's after if the jury ever convicts him. For example, let's say the jury comes back and uh, they convict him. It will if if they convict him, this is going to be completely political. And at that point, the judge may sit back and say, "You know what? I'm going to throw out the conviction." and let him go, give a directed verdict, and let him go. Either way, this is going to be really, this is going to be really bad for the prosecution. One way or the other, I still think that that prosecutor is probably going to be standing in front of the bar because he did some things that were completely uh, unethical. Uh, the final thing is, uh, there's go and this is going to come up, is the judge has to think about whether this is going to be a mistrial. Uh, this is going to be a mistrial. And is it going to be a mistrial with or without prejudice? If it's a mistrial without prejudice, that means they can, the prosecution can bring the case back up. If it's with prejudice, it means they can never bring it back up. It's over. So this would be somewhat the same as a directed uh, verdict. Uh, mistrial with prejudice. I would not be shocked if the prosecution actually would like a mistrial, but without prejudice, so they can do this all over again and maybe prepare their witnesses better. But I don't see how this becomes a mistrial without prejudice. I mean, the I'm telling you, the prosecutor, prosecutor was coaching witnesses. Uh, one witness said the prosecution wanted him to lie. The prosecution brought up the fact that one of their witnesses got an attorney. That is unethical. Hey, we're all allowed to get an attorney. Uh, the prosecutor brought up that Rittenhouse was silent after he was arrested until he got an attorney. Why did he do that? You don't bring that up. That's the Fifth Amendment. You're, you're not supposed to bring that up. A judge admonished him big time, several times. So, but the reality is judges typically don't like do, doing that. If he was going to do it, I think he would have done it earlier. He would have done it before the jury actually was going to receive deliberation time. 
but again, the judge can throw it out, and this is definitely going to go to an appeal. I don't know if Kyle Rittenhouse is actually going to spend much time. Even if Rittenhouse gets convicted, I am not completely sure Rittenhouse is going to go to jail because of the malfeasance that this that this prosecutor did. So next week's going to be inter- an interesting week. Expect a lot of fireworks. I don't think if this does go to the jury and it is, uh, if this does go to jury for del- deliberations, I don't think it's going to be a long del- deliberation. I think it's going to be quick. Either this jury thinks he's guilty or not guilty. I don't think there's going to be a lot of problems there. Uh, but there will be fireworks next week. And speaking of fireworks, uh, Black Lives Matter and Antifa are going to riot again in Kenosha no matter what. Kyle Rittenhouse needs to get the death penalty for Kenosha to avoid rioting and then only maybe. We have already seen it happen in other parts of the country. Black Lives Matter especially is really threatening people. In New York City, Eric Adams, who is the former cop and the mayor-elect who's going to relieve the incompetent groundhog killer Bill de Blasio, has sworn that he will bring law and order to the streets and end all this defund the police crap. He said he ran on that. That's a campaign pro- promise. Now, before we get into what happened with Black Lives Matter, let's remember something. He's black and he's a Democrat. So, this is not some right-wing conservative, Nazi, which everyone calls right-wing conservatives. Well, the New York City chapter of BLM said uh, they will light the city up if Adams tries to bring back some of the police's special forces units, which Adams has already promised he's going to do. Hawk Newsom is the co-founder of Black Lives Matter in greater New York City, and his sister, Shavona Newsom, also a co-founder, threatens civil unrest and violence if his camp- if Adams keeps to a campaign pl- pledge of strengthening the police and actually funding the police. This is what he said. Quote, this is what Hawk said. If he thinks that they're going to go back to the old ways of policing, then we are going to take the streets again. There will be riots. There will be fire. There will be bloodshed because we believe in defending our people. So there is no way that he is going to let some Gestapo come in here and harm our people. We pray for peace, but prepare for the worst. His sister added, Shavona, we will shut down the city. We will shut down City Hall and we will give them hell and make it a nightmare. This comes after the, a meeting between the Black Lives Matter co-founders and Adams. And Ad, they actually threatened Adams in the meeting and Adams blew completely up at him. After the meeting, uh, Adams was asked about the uh, about the comments that these two made. By the way, I, I really... Everyone talks about Everyone talks about uh, the language, hate speech, and things. This is hate speech. This is actual hate speech. These people are actually threatening citizens of New York who don't want to who don't want to get raped or robbed or murdered while they're walking on the streets of New York, which, by the way, is happening right now. New York City has got one of the worst crime problems across the country. 
and this guy here is like is a we're gonna cause more problems anyway adams i hope he's right here this is what he said quote you're on the ground stop the violence in my community he's talking to blm i'm holding you accountable don't hold me accountable being the mayor being a borough president being a state senator I put my body on the line for my community, so I'm not here for folks to come and say, Eric, we're going to hold you accountable. No, it's us. We need to do this together. Hey, Eric, BLM's not going to help you. They're not on the ground together. They're trying to overturn the system. They're trying to create a communist, Marxist, anarchist system. They think you're a racist even though you're a Democrat and you're black. They think you're a racist because anyone that is part of the system is a racist. And anyone who supports the police is a racist. I hope Adams has the balls to back up his words. Because if he doesn't, if he ends up like de Blasio, nothing nothing is going to change. And BLM is playing for keeps, which means this is a war. He's going to have to fight a war. He's going to have to fight a battle. He needs not be afraid of getting his hands dirty and throwing these pieces of garbage in prison when they commit violence. And I, I, I'm sorry, we've seen it for the last year. And the other thing I really, really bothers me is that um, they've been rioting whether or not the police are there. They riot no matter what. To sit back, oh, the streets will run. What, every time someone says something, we got to worry about whether Black Lives Matter is going to get upset and run around? People are being murdered in the streets. Follow, go on Twitter. Take a look. It's every day. There's somebody getting shot in New York City. Someone getting assaulted in New York City. Somebody taking a dump in the, on the ground in New York City. It's not just New York. Okay, Biden made a speech yesterday, and it started with a firestorm uh, with all conservatives, for some reason... Uh, but no one in the media thought a, a, a big stink, made a big stink about this. I'm not surprised. If it was, if it was Trump saying something like this, you could imagine the scandal that would be created. We'd be hearing about this for years on end. Uh, he'd probably be impeached for a third time. So let's listen to Joe Biden. And I must say to you that the single greatest honor. I have been afforded as president is to stand before so many of you, those Medal of Honor winners out there, and talk about Veterans Day and veterans. I want to welcome all the cabinet members and honored guests joining us today, including the father of our Secretary of State, who served in the Army Air Corps during World War II, Ambassador Donald Blinken whose birthday is today. Happy birthday. Thank you for your service to our country. And I just want to tell you, I know you're a little younger than I am, but, uh, you know, I've adopted the attitude of the great Negro at the time pitcher in the Negro Leagues went on to become a great pitcher in the pros in the Major League Baseball after Jackie Robinson. 
name was Satchel Paige. And Satchel Paige, on his 47th birthday, pitched a win against Chicago. <laughs> now, a lot of, uh, again, a lot of the problem with this whole thing is that Joe Biden, no one's making a big stink out of this. This is what the conservatives are pointing out. It's not that what he said was a bad thing, and it is a bad thing. You, I, I've talked to a couple of black folks. I've listened to I've listened to it on news. It is considered really insulting to use the term Negro. And I understand. I don't use it. I think it's kind of a weird term. But it it's not like the N-word, but some do compare it to the N-word. But and a lot of folks, conservatives, say it's a I see the hypocrisy. I understand the hypocrisy. That's not my point in this in this little speech. And I also heard the argument that it just shows you how out of touch he is, how senile he's getting. And I see that too. But I'm going to sit there, I'm going to throw a different light on it. Joe Biden is a racist. This isn't the first time he's done weird stuff like that, said things that were racially insensitive. Joe Biden is a racist. This is a man who presided over Robert Byrd's funeral. Robert Byrd was a grand cyclops for the KKK. Now, before we get wild and crazy, so did Obama, which is really a weird take. Biden has said in the past, long in the past, before he became senile, he said you can't walk into 7-Eleven without hearing an Indian accent. He called Barack Obama a a good black president because he was clean, good-looking, and intelligent. That's racist. He said that poor kids were as smart as white kids. He is a racist. Do I think he misspoke yesterday? Yeah, I think he meant to say the Negro Leagues, which is an actual name of the league, and didn't mean to call Satchel Pays a Negro. But the reality is, he is a racist. He says crap like this all the time. It's not just against blacks. Obviously, he made the comment about Indians. So, I don't want to hear... I don't want to hear from this guy about anything about how he is a friend to the black man. He's not. He's a racist. He's a flat-out racist. And this proves it. I understand the a lot of the conservative argument that, hey, you know, he's a little senile. He says things. And no, he's been doing that for years before this. Way before this. So I'm sorry. I don't buy it. Okay, and our last story, our last story is actually from... Um, I, I is actually from the uh, Wall Street Journal. It's an opinion piece. I do want to read it because I think it's pretty good. Now, I said she gets it completely right. Uh, she doesn't get it completely right, but she's definitely on the right track as to what our children are missing. Uh, the article is called Millennials Put Away Childish Political Things, and it's by a gal named Mary Eberstadt. I think the article is an important article. And it really doesn't, it isn't a political article so much, as it's an article about our culture. And it's an article about what millennials and the later generations, 
I think she goes from Gen Z, Millennials, and of course you've got the... I don't know the names of all the generations up till now. But I think it's a very good article, and it's pretty short. So let's let's start it off here. Uh, as the election results of 2021 suggest a chill in the air for the left, the time has come to talk to young younger voters, Millennials and Gen Zs, about America's future. The message can be distilled in a single sentence. You've been robbed. You have been robbed of something treasured by millions of less literate, literate Americans before you. Knowledge and appreciation of your own country and the symphonic, tumultuous, tumultuous, sometimes riven and always illuminating history. According to some of today's loudest and most influential voters, voices, the U.S. has irredeemable cesspool of racism and bigotry. This lie has resulted in a wide partisan patriotism gap. In 2020, according to one poll, under a quarter of Democrats surveyed said they were extremely proud to be an American, as opposed to almost three quarters of Republicans. Only a third of Americans your age say the same thing. Ask yourselves why. Most of us wouldn't trash talk our families. Most of us wouldn't trash talk our neighborhoods. Think about the next think about that the next time someone trash talks our national home and neighborhood, your country. This is a tremendous introduction. I love this introduction. But right off, I do see a huge problem here. That problem involves the things that she's going to talk about throughout the article. Unfortunately, she does not address how to get the youth to listen to somebody else. Because I think that's where this whole cancel culture thing comes into play. Okay, let's continue. One such figure, impresario of the New York Times 1619 Project, says she has never regarded herself as particularly patriotic. Another whose sulfurous racism permeates elite education say that he has never felt free in the U.S., even as his every grievance is celebrated and subsidized. If they have such low opinion of America, what makes you think they care about Americans, including you? That's a great question. That has been the answer. That, I, I finished reading. That's a great question. And we've seen the answer in the last couple of years. We've seen the answer through rioting. We've seen the answer through tearing down statues. We've seen the answer through crime. We've seen the answer through drug addiction. We've seen the answer through cancel culture. They don't care about Americans. They don't like Americans. Especially Americans who like their country. And that's part of the problem I see is you got to get through these kids. And they don't want to be gotten through. Okay, continuing the article. Many of today's young have been robbed, too, of a source of immaterial wealth, the consolation and joys of family life. This theft is due, in part, to generational arithmetic. Today's younger adult hail from smaller networks of kinship than earlier generations. You are more likely to have lacked a father at the home and to have fewer siblings, cousins, uncles, and aunts than your forebearers. The family deficit is also a consequence of ideas. Generations of thinkers have disparaged the family as the enemy of utopian schemes. In their depictions, home and hearth amount to a slaughterhouse of dreams and aspirations, especially for women. To the contrary, unprecedented rates of abortion, fatherlessness, and divorce 
far from liberating you, have subtracted actual and potential loved ones from your life. No wonder survey, surveys show that young people are the loneliest of Americans. Okay, I, I, loved, I love that part of the article. It's, it's really correct. The family, made of a father and a mother, has been demonized by the left and has been happening for years. It started way back, but that, it didn't start in this century. It started back in the 19th century with Karl Marx. According to uh, revisedsociology.com, Marx said, quote, or uh, uh, according to revisedsociology.com, Marxists argue that the nuclear family performs ideological functions for capitalism. The family acts as a unit of consumption and teaches passive acceptance of hierarchy. It also is the institution through which the wealthy pass down their private property to their children, thus reproducing class inequity. Yes, destroying the nuclear family is what Marxism does. Hey, there's no, there's no doubt why BLM said we need to destroy the nuclear family. They want to do this because the nuclear family provides functions that go against what Marxism believes. It teaches them societal norms. It teach, establishes morality. It te- uh, the family teaches empathy, which is gotten from the mother, and chivalry, which is gotten from the father. You can see right off the bat, I use the term chivalry because chivalry is, is all-encompassing. Defend, defending your family, defending your wife, defending your kids, opening the door for a woman. I do that today. It establishes faith which she's going to get into in a second. It also creates community and adds to community. But the problem is, for a a 10-year-old child to have a mother and father for the Marxist means that the child sees the mother and father as the learning, as where they're going to learn, as how this individual should be growing up. That's a problem for Marxism, because Marxism believes it's the government that should be doing that, not the parents. And by the way, we're going to talk about religion now, but that's the same thing with religion. Religion gets in the way of Marxism. So here, we'll continue with this, with this article here. Some of you have been robbed of another rich inheritance, organized religion. Men and women throughout the ages concluded that humanity exists within some form of sacred order. Alongside that understanding of divine flourish, the greatest art and science architecture and music and human creation at large that our species has ever devised. Permanent membership in, quote, none of the above, end quote, secularism risks relinquishing your own cultural inheritance, Western civilization. This is, this is great because she's actual, she's really true. Marxists and communists hate religion. That's because people do not see the government as God. They see God as God. There is a higher power. There's a higher power higher than the government. Do you know who said that? The founding fathers. The Constitution says it. The Declaration of Independence say that. They say that for a reason. That's one of the reasons federalism is so huge with the founding fathers. Because the government is not supposed to be gigantic. It's supposed to be weak. It's supposed to be uh, just 
spayed. It's supposed to be neutered. It's not supposed to be telling people what to do. And here's something that really is sad with secular societies. When you go to a society like, and I mean true secular societies like China or the Soviet Union, secular societies are missing something. You talk to the people, they're missing something. And that something is hope. That's something that there's hope for something better than this. So one of the reasons why I, I was talking to one of my buddies and I told him I read uh, C.S. Lewis's book and I was he was the one who pushed me to read the book. And he said, I said, I love the book. It's a great book. And he said, uh, no, you should love Jesus. And I told him, um, yeah, it's one of the reasons why I read the book. If I didn't love Jesus or I didn't think there was a higher source, I wouldn't appreciate something like that. I appreciate good art because I know an art is just a glimpse. Actually, I think the book actually, uh, the book called The Great Divorce by C.S. Lewis, it actually said that. Art is a glimpse into the godly. It's a glimpse into the true reality, which is heaven. That earth and hell, these are not true realities. Excellent book. I, I, I'm sorry. I went off on a tangent. I should have spent two minutes on something I shouldn't have. Anyway, so let, let's move on. This brings us to a political choice before you. Today's neo-Marxism and identity politics seek to, co seek to co-opt your youthful energies into a lifetime of performative rancor. Is that what you want? The left tells you that your fellow citizens are racist, fascists, sexists, bigots, and haters. This relentless negativity obliterates youthful hopes. Oh, she does say it. Very good. Yes. It shrivels the youthful imagination. Worst of all, it shrinks your hearts. Young people are designed by nature to love and to be loved with energy and magnanimity. Today's misanthropes tell you the opposite that humanity is a toxin on the planet, unworthy of reproduction. This council couldn't be more wrong, especially for you. If loneliness is the problem, putting more people in your lives with marriage and children is self-evident, is a self-evident solution. One of the things, this is me now, one of the things with Marxists is they want unhappiness. They want people never satisfied and unhappy. And again, this is what C.S. Lewis said in the Screwtape Letters. They always want you to look forward. They want you to live in the future. If you live constantly in the I don't mean tomorrow or next week, things you have to do. They want you to live far into the future. Because if you live far into the future, you will never be satisfied with the present. You will always be expecting something more. This isn't a policy. This isn't something I'm making up. This is a policy choice by communists. The reason is communist Marxist governments wants a perpetual revolution. That's how the leaders keep power. We can look at North Korea, Cuba, Venezuela. They are constantly talking about revolutions in their speeches. The Cuban government has been in power for 60 years, and they are still talking about revolution. How does this help them when their people are miserable? The people always think, I just have to look into the future and utopia is within arm's reach and maybe we'll hit utopia before, we comes, before I die and I just have to suffer a little longer. 
that's what the government instills in people and those that's what a lot of people actually believe that we are heading towards utopia and yeah we got to suffer we got to suffer biden's doing the same thing with inflation hey don't worry about inflation this is on our way to utopia gas prices same thing that this is how we're going to get to utopia and it's going to hurt but we know now the suffering in these places never stops when I speak to a socialist or a communist, the first thing I ask is, have you ever been to a socialist country? And the answer is regularly no. Well, go to a socialist country. Meet a socialist or a communist or a Marxist. Talk to them. And you'll notice that that whole concept of hope is also missing from them. I had an aunt. I had a great aunt, actually. And... Uh, she lived in the Soviet Union in the 80s. She's gone now. Uh, didn't We don't know where she went, but she was missing. But you could see she was lost. in When she came to the United States, of course, she had to leave all her family back there. When she came to the United States, she didn't understand any of this. She didn't understand how we lived life the way we do. Because she had never had anything. Okay, let's continue. The woke arrogantly claimed to own you by simple virtue of your youth. That's because they have a lot to sell you in commerce as well as politics. Corporations fly under cool kid flags to market harmful product products. Consider the hawking of marijuana to your demographic or how some tech companies have succeeded in addicting millions to social media with harrow harrowing consequences we're only beginning to understand. All these lurches for your wallet might make you question the left's authority. Okay, you know, she's completely correct here. Um, unfortunately, there is a catch-22 with capitalism. Yes, it, cre it creates tremendous innovation because it allows for the competitive spirit of human nature. By human nature, but human nature can be corrupted, and we do see it. But socialism's completely different. Socialism represses human nature. And therefore, socialism creates nothing. We can take a quick look at China. China's, a, China's quote, powerful, end quote, economy is a paper tiger. If it wasn't for American manufacturers like Apple and Nike, just to name a couple, their economy would be nothing. As a matter of fact, before Nixon went over there, their economy was nothing. It was stagnant. That hypersonic missile was not invented by China. It wasn't innovated by China. It's American technology. They have to steal their technology. They innovate nothing. Because nobody wants to innovate anything because they get nothing out of it. It's that risk and reward principle that we have in the United States where I can innovate something and if it succeeds, I get a ton of money and if it fails, I've lost. I've risked. I've lost what I've risked. That's what makes the United States great. They don't have that in China. So a lot of people don't even bother. Okay, let's finish this up. Conservatism isn't a monolith. Conservatives disagree over all sorts of ideas and policies, at times profoundly. That's the point. Diverse as it is, conservatism is one community where you will find authentic debate, even as sanity and agreement on a few big things still prevail. In place of today's cynical exploitation of race, conservatism, says Martin Luther King Jr., in place of identity politics and 
that flies under rival banners and denies our common home. It says only the American flag should fly over a U.S. embassy. In place of even more fastidious defined factions, it says one nation indivisible. And in place of indifference to the suffering incurred, sufferings incurred by family decline, family subser- subversion, and postmodern cultural chaos, conservatism seeks revival. This is the room where the grown-ups are. This is where you deserve to be, too. You know uh, from inside your generation's poignant realities. You are overdue for the restoration of America's undiminished promise and for upward moral morality. Now, I love this article because it's really a positive article. It's a very positive article, and she's right. Now, it's shorter, so she can't go on go into, for example, why America is great. She doesn't bring that up a lot. Why conservatism is great. She doesn't really bring that up, but it's because it's a shorter article. But someone like me understands why. And that's what our kids have to be told. Now, one of the things that Everstat skipped uh, is something very important. She skipped that the institutions are normalizing the Marxist theories and the kids need to take the uh, institutions as a, with a little bit of a grain of salt. Well, some kids do. A lot of kids don't. This is the tough part about bringing patriotism back to our kids. When children are in school being told the United States is bad, it gets confirmed by the media, and then the entertainment industry romanticizes it. You can see this is a lot of this is a lot of bullets hitting this is a lot of paint hitting the the hitting the wall here. And it's really hard to get kids to consult. I mean, I know with my daughter who's older, she doesn't believe in anything I believe in. And she comes in with the same arguments. The difference is, and I think I did teach her right, we can debate that without screaming at each other. So, um, we'll have to see how it's going to work out. I, I don't know. I have a feeling that uh, Eberhardt is right, that eventually the school, eventually the institutions, and we see it now with the school systems, especially in Virginia, the school systems are being broken down now. People are fighting back. They're trying to take control of their children. I think you could see a conservative revival. And one lady I saw on the, I can't remember her name, but one lady I saw on the Gutfeld show yesterday, she made that very clear. She goes, conservatism usually gets hammered every 40 years or so. There is this revolution. We had it in the 60s. We had it in the 2000s. And we're having it now. I'm just not sure with all the stuff the stuff that's stacked against conservatism. And conservatism doesn't necessarily mean complete anti-abortion. You see a lot of liberal um, liberals who are conservative, believe in the conservative principles like of debate and talk. Joe Manchin would be one. Kirsten Sinema, if you want to put a face to that picture. There are people who will debate. I think that will come back. Because I think the left has gone so far left, has gone so far off the rails, that people are beginning to look at it and say, no, I'm not going to do this. Okay, so later on today, we'll be putting a video on Rumble, uh, talking about all the weird things that are going on with our kids. 
And uh, then we will, and I will talk to you on Monday. I hope you have a great weekend. Visit my website at dumbassestalkingpolitics.com so you can take a look at the, uh, you can take a look at my show notes and links. Have a great weekend. This is Gene, and you've listened to Dumbasses Talking Politics. <laughs>